0: James chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, the Word of God says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, so can no fountain, both yield salt water and fresh. And let's pray. Lord, help us now as we dig a little deeper into something we started a few weeks ago. And Lord, we pray that the words of our mouth would be pleasing to Thee and bring Thee glory and help our testimony to be strong and Christ-like so that we can more people to you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, I started a message on Sunday night, uh, seven prayers for Christ-like speech. And I'm not going to uh, re-preach the first part, we got through the first two, but if you will look at James chapter one, just to give you the premise verse, uh, our text (coughs) James chapter 1 verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is what? It's vain, empty, profitless. And so the Bible says if you want to be religious, religion in a good sense, if you want to be pious, if you want to be Christ-like, if you want to have good testimony, but you don't control your tongue, then your religion is going to be profitless. It's going to be empty. Every day we speak a lot of words. And isn't it amazing how those words can either help people or hurt people? Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, those words can either uh, point people to Jesus or push people away from him. And we spent a lot of time in the, the last message talking about that and laying the foundation, the need, for a Christ-like tongue. You can go back on the, the website, August 6th. Uh, that message uh, was preached, and you can get the introduction and the first two. Uh, but I think we would all agree here tonight that we need to have uh, a control of this thing called the tongue. And it's difficult. Uh, so what we're gonna do is look at what the Bible says, some of the commandments and precepts, principles the Bible says about the tongue but in order and, and the lips, but in order to apply them to our lives to really help us, we're going to turn these into a prayer. Uh, one of the ladies said during a testimony time how prayer, it's been convicted to, to pray more and pray believing, and all of us understand the importance of prayer. Uh, and when you're struggling with something, it's a good thing to pray about it. Pray constantly about it, just constantly. And I remember a time when I was first saved for uh, boy, the first while after I was saved, uh, I'm glad that they didn't have uh, phone cameras back then and recording devices were were not as easy as they are now. You didn't have them on your phones. We still had boom boxes and Walkmans and, and things like that. Uh, but all of us say things that we would not be proud of, especially... Uh, before we're saved, but after we get saved, it's amazing how this tongue kind of trails behind our Christian growth, doesn't it? <laughs> we, we want to do better, but right. the tongue kind of lags behind. Uh, and so we're going to turn these principles into prayers so that the Lord can receive the glory and he can help us control our tongue. And I really want you to pay attention to how you speak. And sometimes it's curse words. Uh, that's a real problem today. A lot of people don't even think curse words are bad anymore. Of course they are. They always have been. Uh, it could be dirty talk uh, bedroom talk it could be negativity it could be gossip it could be uh, backbiting the bible calls it talking about people behind their back it could be just cynicism negativity you know like e or oh everything's a problem oh. you know sometimes you get around people and it's like they open their mouth and they just kind of like suck the life out of you as and the will to live as as everything's a problem every the glass is always half empty and the glass is probably going to break and so uh, we want to make sure that we have uh, not just the mind of Christ, but we want to have the mouth of Christ and speak as he speaks. So uh, we said, <clears throat> number one, last week, we pray, set a guard over my lips. Lord, set a guard over my lips. And that's from Psalm 141, verse 3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. And we talked about uh, no cursing, no corruption, no confusion, no confusion. We want to watch our words, consider our tone, be aware of our volume. Uh, all of us, sometimes we speak and it's like, hey, can you, what? Whoa, what do you mean? Oh, I'm fine. Does it sound like I'm fine right now? No, really, I'm fine. And it's like, no, you're not. And so it's not just the words we say, it's the tone and the, the countenance and all of these things. So Lord, set a, set a guard over my lips. Number two. Deliver me from lying and deceitful lips. And this was from Psalm 120, verses 2 and 3. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips. And of course, these would be the lies against us, but it's also appropriate to pray, Lord, deliver me from my own lying lips. You know, we're all born knowing how to lie. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. It just comes built in. That's the sin nature coming out. And again a lot of people today because they're getting unhinged and unanchored from the word of God, they don't even think that lying is wrong anymore. We spent time a few weeks ago showing how God hates lying and a false witness and these types of things. He hates a lying tongue and a deceitful tongue. So tonight we're going to dive in. I'm going to see if I can give you the rest of these. I won't have time to really develop each one, but I'd like to give you a thought, make a couple comments, show you uh, some uh, supporting verses, and we'll go from there. In our text tonight, James chapter 3, <clears throat> one thing the Bible says about the tongue, and again, uh, in the previous message we spent some time in James chapter 3 dissecting that, but one thing that, that uh, the Lord's trying to teach us is uh, that blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. These things ought not so to be. It's not good to come to church and talk like a Christian and go to work tomorrow and talk like the devil. That would not be a good thing. And whenever we're growing in grace, one thing we learn very quickly is Jesus wants to change our Monday, not just our Sunday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we need to be striving to live like Jesus. Do not become hypocritical. Do not just put a spiritual face on Sunday and then go out and live like the devil. Now, let me also say, if you're struggling, go to church, right? Church is where you need to be if you're struggling. And sometimes when you're struggling, it may seem a little hypocritical at first because you're you're trying so hard, but you keep failing. That's not being a hypocrite. That's growing. That's called growth. The hypocrite is when they decide... To be deceitful and pretend like they're one way, but they choose to be another way. Does that make sense to you? All of us would be hypocritical trying to follow a perfect book and be like a perfect savior, but is it hypocrisy to try to be like Jesus and fail? No. It's a a good thing. There are some things worth failing at. There are some things that <laughs> that we should. You know, a child a child who tries to walk and they take a couple steps and fall and then they get up and take a couple steps and fall. You don't look at them and say, hypocrite, walk or don't walk, hypocrite. Like, that would be ridiculous. But sometimes that's what people do to Christians. Hypocrite, it's like, no, I'm a baby. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to get this Christian walk thing down. And so when you fall and, and bump your head and skin your knee and all that, that's not hypocrisy, that's called growth and seeking after God and chasing after God. But you never want to be one who chooses to be deceitful, putting on airs one way and choosing to be another. Does that make sense to you? So the Bible says we need to get control of this mouth because it's it's not natural for blessing to come out and cursing to come out. It's not natural. And he used the illustration of a fountain. Does a fountain or a natural spring send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The answer is no. The water is either good or it's not. Uh, Can a fig tree bear olive trees? No. Can a vine bear figs? No. And so God's saying, look, be a Christian. You're a Christian now. Be a Christian. Yes, you have the old sin nature. So if we're not careful, we'll have that old sin nature and sometimes we'll give into that then we'll have the new nature and sometimes we'll give into that but God says your intention should be sweet water fresh water clean water to come out of the fountains of our mouth amen yes now we have the doctrine of replacement this is important doctrine when you're trying to to follow Jesus one of the best ways to stop sinning is to replace the sin with something better. So, what should be coming out of our mouths? the The answer is is to the answer is not to say, "Well, I'm not going to say anything bad." The answer is to say, "I'm going to so fill my mouth with good things that I don't speak bad." You see the difference? Let me show you a verse here in in uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen. And I'll give you the, the third prayer here. Hebrews chapter 13 <coughs> and verse 15. We don't have time to expound the, the context. But here we have our a supporting verse. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to God continually so wait a minute, in this age, in this New Testament age, God doesn't want the sacrifices of bulls and goats and turtle doves. That was the Old Testament sacrifice. But God still does want a sacrifice in this life, and one kind of sacrifice He wants is the sacrifice of your lips. The sacrifice of praise to God continually. Continually. And in God's mind, that sacrifice, the the choice to use my mouth for praise is equivalent to an Old Testament sacrifice where someone would go out to the flock and get their animal and take it to the priest and they would kill it and skin it and do all of those things. God says you you underestimate how important your words are to me. God says, I want you to give me the sacrifice of praise. Now, in some ways, it's a lot easier just to speak praise than it is to go out and start sacrificing animals, isn't it? In every way, the new covenant's better than the old. (laughs) You know, in every way. But we underestimate this. And look what he says, the last part of the verse. That is, so now he's going to define the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What's that mean? When you say, wow, thank you, God, God says that's a sacrifice of praise. When you say, thank you, Jesus, that's a sacrifice of praise. And don't just say it to yourself. I mean, say it at work. Say it around the family. Say it around lost people. Say it in the store. Say it everywhere. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is on sale. And someone near to you would be like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's okay. And that person says, are you thanking Jesus for the pork and beans being on sale? And God up in heaven says, oh, I like that. Here's the prayer. Number three, empower my lips to offer sacrifices of praise. Lord, empower my lips to offer sacrifices of praise. This is something we can pray often. Lord, I need, I need control of my mouth, and I, I don't want to have bad things coming out and good things. I don't want to speak kindly to my kids and then yell at my kids. I don't want to speak kindly to my spouse and then uh, mean to my spouse. I don't want to be kind to my parents and then disrespectful. Lord, help my mouth to be a fountain of sweet praise and sacrifice to you. So number three, empower my lips to offer up sacrifices of praise. And then we move on number four. The fourth prayer for Christ-like speech. Lord, use my words to build up people and minister your grace. Use my words to build up people and minister your grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 we find a striking verse in verse 29 Ephesians 4:29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth that's dirty talk don't tell dirty jokes you don't need to be talking about bedrooms and bathrooms and this and that and body parts and the world is so corrupt it is so corrupt TV shows, songs, the, the national language of, of our culture has been brought down by all this sexuality talk, where they're trying to make sex the most important thing in your life. You think about it, you identify by it, you, you, you desire it all the time, they're making it the number one thing, and because of that, the entire speech of a culture has been corrupted and brought down to just filthiness, foolishness. And it's sad. I feel bad for you young people. I have to live through that. There was a time when people respected themselves. There was a time when a man would respect a lady if she was in the room. There was a time when a lady would be a lady. There was a time when adults wouldn't talk a certain way around children, and children would talk respectfully to their parents. And I'm, I'm sad that you don't see more of that in our culture, but you can have it in your home. You can have it in your world. I'm out somewhere and I say, yes, ma'am. Don't call me ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Why are you calling me ma'am? Oh, I don't just do it for you. I do it because I want to be the kind of guy that says... Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. Thank you, please. My world doesn't have to be corrupted by the world. That makes sense? So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't, don't buy into that, the, the crude talk, the, the foolishness. Decide that your mouth is going to be different. But what should come out of our mouth? But that which is good, good how? Good to the use of edifying. The word edify is a Bible word that means to build up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Here's an important thing for you to know. Your speech is either helping people or hurting people. Everything you say is either helping people or hurting people. Everything. 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 You're either making the people in your life, you're making their lives better or worse by the way you speak. You're making their load lighter or heavier. Here's a verse for you. You can write this down and look it up later. Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Have you ever been stabbed with that sword? The words of the mouth that cut deep and harsh. There is that speak like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. So my tongue, my words, can either cut you or it can give you health. Another verse is death and life are in the power of the tongue. My wife is probably the best person I've ever met at this and I wish that she could be here. I wish you could know her. I know you pray for her and you feel her absence uh, deeply and She feels it so desperately. We were talking about the children's activity coming up on Wednesday. And she's like, "Boy, wouldn't it be nice if I could go? I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice. She said, I wonder if I could just go for an hour. And I said, well, let's pray about that. Let's see. But that's how we talk. Everything is like, well, I wish. I want to try. I want to do this. And often in her situation, she's unable. My wife is the best person I've ever met about building people up. If you hear her speak, it's like breathing life into your soul. And it's a beautiful thing to be around. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. And that's our prayer. Lord, use my words to build people up and minister your grace. And it goes on to say that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So our our Edifying words become the vehicle for God's grace into someone's life. Isn't that wonderful? Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech be always seasoned with, excuse me, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So imagine you're eating and you're like, oh, this needs more salt. So you reach over and put more salt on it. Grace is like the salt on your words. It just makes them sweeter. It makes them taste better. So I'm going to, Lord, would you season my words with your grace so that it can build people up. That's an important prayer to pray. Number five, prayers for Christ-like speech. We said, set a guard over my lips. Deliver me from lying and deceitful lips. Empower my lips to offer up sacrifices of praise. Use my words to build up people and minister grace. Uh, This is number five. It is a biblical principle, but this is also something I learned from my wife, and it's very practical. Lord, help me not to say anything that I must apologize for later. (laughs) Lord, help me not to say anything that I must apologize for later. Not necessarily because you hate apologizing, although that element helps because sometimes it's no fun to apologize. But what if you go into speaking? What if you open your mouth with the idea, I don't want to say anything that's unthoughtful, caustic, hurtful. I don't want to say anything that I'm going to have to come by and apologize later because that means I've hurt you. Help me not to say anything that I must apologize for later. And that one thought will help you rein this thing in. It'll keep you from lashing out and speaking in a reactive way. Here's a biblical principle. Look at Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Look at verse 7. In all things, showing thyself a a pattern of good works. We're trying to be a pattern Christian. Christ is a pattern. We're trying to be Christ-like. What's this pattern of good works? In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Look at verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Why? That he that that is condemned Of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. You can be right in the wrong way. And so this concept tells us, Lord, I don't want to say anything that the other person can condemn. Because then they'll miss the point of what I'm trying to say. They'll miss the truth of what I'm trying to convey to help them. I don't want to say anything that can be condemned. Lord, help me not to say anything that I must apologize for later. Number six, prayers for Christ like speech. Lord, give me boldness to speak the truth in love. Give me boldness to speak the truth in love. We've talked about that a lot the last few years with all the COVID stuff and the um, things just going off the deep end of people saying things that have never been true, provably false, and they just want everybody to jump in and be like, yeah, that's right. And no, the, the way that you stop that is you speak the truth in love. Uh, I don't accept that. Uh, I challenge that based on this, this, and this. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what always has been. Look at Ephesians again. Ephesians chapter 4 <clears throat> Verses 14 and 15 apply in these crazy days. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So what's that mean? Oh, this doctrine blows flu. Yeah, that's true. And then this blows through, and Oh, that's true. And oh, there's there's more than two genders. Oh great. How many are there? I don't there's there's twenty, there's fifty, there's seventy, there's hundred and thirty, there's oh no, this, and and this, oh no, that, and whatever comes down the pike, people don't have any anchor. They, they don't have any doctrine, so they just believe whatever is blowing in on the wind. But notice what it says by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Once evil people figure out that you don't have an anchor and that you'll believe just about anything, they will use that to deceive you and control you. Isn't that what the Bible says? Is that not what's happening today? Amen. What's the answer? What's the answer from being tossed to and fro? What's the, what's the answer against these evil men and... and Cunning craftiness and they're they're lying in wait to deceive us. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. The answer is to speak the truth. And there is something called truth. And it's not your truth. And it's not my truth. And it's not your lived experience. It's the truth. The truth belongs to God. Truth is eternal. Truth is unchanging. Truth applies to every generation because it's true. It always has been true. It always will be true. It's called the truth. And the way that you insulate yourself from, from all the, the crazy doctrines and the, the deceit is to simply speak the truth. This is true. And in some cultures and in some times you get punished for telling the truth. I said recently that we live in a day where people don't get punished for lying, they get punished for telling the truth. Somebody's got to tell the truth. I told our church three, four years ago the reason why we're in this mess is because somebody a long time ago heard somebody say foolish things, and they didn't say that's foolish. They said, "Oh, maybe you're right. Ah, you could be. I guess I don't know. I'm I'm not a biologist. I can't really tell you what a woman is. I I just don't know. I don't, I don't have a degree. I don't have a PhD." I would rather our nation and our world be run by honest farmers than the pit of vipers that are in control of things nowadays. People with integrity and common sense. Local people running a hardware store. But somebody just has to simply say, that's not true. This is the truth. It's better to live in a world where you can tell the truth no matter the cost than to live in a world where nobody's telling the truth and to submit to lies. So we pray, Lord, give me boldness to speak the truth in love. In Acts 4.31, they prayed and the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Holy Spirit fullness is a sure way to get boldness. Let me give you number seven <clears throat> prayers for Christ like speech. Lord, give me the excellent speech of a child of the king. Lord, give me the excellent speech of a child of a king. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17, verse 7, excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. There's something called excellent speech. If you're royalty, you're just expected to act different than everybody else. Matter of fact, for much of our world history, someone who was a prince or princess, they received a great deal of training on how to act, how to sit, how to stand, how to smile, how to greet people, how to talk, which fork to use for the salad or the snails. I mean, it's like (laughs) uh, which cup to use for what course. I'm not saying we need to go back to all that because I don't know all that either. I still eat fried chicken with my fingers, amen? Amen. Some things will never change. But I do say (laughs) that you're a child of the king. And you need to comport yourself. You need to carry yourself. You need to speak as a child of the king. You know, I was thinking back whenever in the 90s when I was a teenager, uh, rap was getting popular, and uh, you had country boys that were coming out, and they'd they'd start, you know, one day they're talking like this, hey, Billy Bob, you got the corn in yet? Yes, sir, I got the corn in. You got your beans in? I got my beans. You got... (laughs) And then you see them at school the next summer, and it's like, what's up, bro? You know, their pants are pulled down. They're walking in like, hey, yeah, get up out my grill, fool. And it's like, What? And it was, a, it was a worldwide phenomenon, not just that. I mean, it's, it's you had people that wearing cashmere sweaters crawling out of their parents' Mercedes talking like they just came out of Compton. Or you got someone who's, who's uh, talking the, the country talk and, you know, they listen to the country music and they're using this and that and telling this joke and using these words. And, and it's, it's like, why would you want to be something you're you're not that makes you take a step down why would you want to use those words why would you want to curse more why would you want to learn those dirty jokes why, why would you want to why would you want to uh, act like you're not somebody special dear friend you are special you're a child of the king And we need to pray every day, Lord, I want to I act like I'm your child. I want people to see you in me. I don't want to get caught up with the trends of the world. I don't want to wear anything that would be trendy and immodest. I don't want to get caught up in anything that, that, would, that would bring you displeasure or that would sully your name. Lord, I want to be a child of the king. It might be a good idea just the next time you take a drink, stick your pinky out. And... Uh, a child of the king. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Joking, of course. But dear friend, you have a spiritual heritage that is royalty. And when you embrace that, you will stand up a little straighter. You might sit up a little different. You might Amen. think about, I wonder if this would honor the Lord might be that you would want your speech to sound like somebody who knows Jesus. Let me show you a last one. Another verse, Proverbs 16, 13, Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. By the way, this is a good leadership principle. If you want to get close to the, the boss at the job, learn to speak properly. People, people decide an awful lot about you by how you talk. And how you look. They say, well, they shouldn't. Doesn't matter whether they should or not, they do. And the Bible talks about righteous lips are the delight of kings. You learn to speak like you're smart. I'm not talking about using big words, I just mean smart, respectful, put together. Those that are in authority, from the supervisor at your job to the boss, to the president, to the king, will say, Hey, I I like I like what you just said. The, the delight of kings. Colossians Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. But we should be thinking about those things. Let me show you a final verse. Let's go to the book of Psalms. And this is kind of the prayer that I probably pray the most. The prayer that I probably pray the most when it comes to my tongue is found in Psalm chapter 19. And I think this is worthy for you to memorize and repeat often. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. I'm going to say it, and I just want you to let these words settle into your heart. And think about this as a prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And this verse really does even further than deal with the mouth that deals with the heart. Ultimately, if you want to stop saying things that are wrong, you have to get the wrong things out of your heart. I stopped cursing as a young Christian when I stopped thinking curse words. Because if they're not in your mind and your heart, they don't come out. You will stop being angry with people and using harsh words when you stop using harsh words in your heart and your mind. You'll stop having that corrupt or dirty conversation out here when you stop allowing it in here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's say that verse together. Ready? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And let's pray. Lord, help us to have a tongue that would glorify you, that would honor you. Forgive me for the times I've misused my tongue, my lips. I want to use it for you. I want to say the right thing in the right way at the right time. And Lord, I want my words to be pleasing, but I, I need my heart to be pleasing. So please cleanse our hearts. And Lord, may you be pleased with the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our hearts may we honor you and